This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are, Raider Nation. The morning tailgate. Clay and Heidi Fang started us off this morning. JT the Brick just wrapped up his couple hours. Now it's my turn on the sticks. And then we'll pass them on to Vinny Bonsignor in the huddle to close us out on this Monday following the very first preseason game at Allegiant Stadium. The Raiders and the Seattle Seahawks, the ribbon-cutting event, a lot to get to, a lot going on over the weekend. It was a hell of a time I had, particularly out at Allegiant Stadium, and I know Raider Nation had a great time as well. Uh, Little Q was in attendance. He had a great time. We left the game uh, real late after after it was all over, after my media obligations were done as well, and we were just walking to the car, and he said, man, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. So uh, it was a little Q approved, and I know it was Raider Nation approved as well. So uh, we're going to jump right into it this uh, this afternoon. Got a lot of good stuff to get to. Coming up at 2.15, we're going to have Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas. He's going to join the show. He joins us usually every Monday to talk Raiders, talk his expectations, what he saw uh, following that game and what he saw during the game from the fans and the team out there on the field. Also, we'll dip into a little bit of UNLV as they're getting ready to get their season started as well. That'll be at 2.15. Then immediately following him, at 2.30, we're going to have my guy, Tim Buckley. He's a beat, uh, beat reporter for the Daily Advertiser, uh, Louisiana. He covers the Rage and Cajuns. And why are we going to have him on? Well, Trey Regis. Trey Regis was out there doing his thing on uh, Saturday, had about 60-something yards rushing on 13 attempts, had a touchdown. Uh, he looked all the part, you know, and, and Josh Jacobs has mentioned multiple times that the running back room is very competitive, probably the most competitive that he's been in and been a part of in a very long time. Remember, he went to Alabama. <laughs> there are some pretty good running backs in that stable there in Alabama. So he's saying that this is one of the most competitive and most talented running back rooms he's been a part of. That has a lot to do with Trey Regis. Also, we saw B.J. Emmons. That's another guy that uh, Josh Jacobs is very uh, familiar with. We saw a lot of them on Saturday night. But uh, we're going to have uh, my guy Tim on to talk all things Trey Regis and what expectations are and, and the fact that he went undrafted and was he shocked about that. So that'll come up at 2.30. Coming up at 3 o'clock, cover three NFL news and notes of the day. We'll kind of uh, just scatter shoot around the NFL real quick, look at some headlines, see what's going on uh, across the rest of the National Football League. At 3.30, we'll have uh, Faven K from uh, Fox 5 Vegas, Fox 5 News this morning. She'll join us as she was in attendance on Saturday as well. Just her thoughts as someone who was sitting in the stands and just enjoying the game from a fan point of view. And I'll tell you this, Damon, uh, Little Q had a pair of tickets, right? And so I didn't know where they were. And we were inside the stadium, and I said, oh, by the way, we were up there by the, by the torch. Uh, and I said, hey, where's your, uh, where's your seats at? And he goes, I don't know. Let me look. And so he looks at his, at his tickets. It was definitely section 124, which is immediate. It's, it's pretty much in where the black hole would be. You know what I mean? It's, it's right there. It's behind the goalpost. Great seats. We went down there and sat down there, and I took a couple pictures and a few videos from there. And I thought about, man. The press box is nice, but I had to go. I had to sit right here and just kick it the rest of the game. But uh, I didn't. I went to the press box, but he had a heck of a time, man. It was section one twenty four. Those those are pretty nice seats, and there was a lot of fans out there representing, having a really good time. And I know you were there working as well. What was your early impressions of Allegiant Stadium, just uh, as a guy that was working the, the place? 
Oh, I loved it. It was so fun to be around there. Um, game time, I was actually doing some work, you know, media relations job, but I was so much running around. But those few seconds of just like, oh, I can just actually look at this game right. and enjoy the game. Oh, it was great. And running around the stadium was just fun in itself. And you got there really early because I got there really early. And by the time I got there, you were already in there starting to get to, to get your media relations uh, gig going. But uh, how was it as far as like the fans that you had to interact with, especially early on? Was it kind of... Oh, yeah, because I was pulling up around noon. Okay. And even noon, you got people out there, let's just say tailgating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like lines of cars, people walking to the stadium already in the full get up. And everybody knows like just different costumes and characters that are out and about. And I'm like, it's noon. <laughs> the game doesn't kick off till six. I feel like I have to be here too early for work. What are you guys doing here already? Raider Nation's out there. They were very proud, and uh, they were lined up, ready to get into. You know, when as soon as the the gates opened up, they were uh, they were excited to be there and, and park their cars and start their tailgating. And then, of course, the ribbon cutting ceremony at three o'clock. Uh, I think Mark Davis did a great job of it. He just, you know, was like. Bada boom, bada bing. It wasn't a, a long, drug out thing. I mean, he, he spoke to the, the crowd, and then, boom, cut the ribbon. You know, the confetti goes flying, and it was open. And then Allegiant Stadium, fans started pouring in, and uh, I just thought it was really cool. And one thing I got to give Mark Davis a lot of credit for as well is he cut the ribbon, the confetti flew, and then the gates immediately opened up, and it wasn't like he was out of the way. Raider Nation was able to gather with him. Raider Nation was able to talk to him. He signed a lot of autographs. He took a lot of pictures. I mean, he was a man amongst the people on Saturday, and it was real hectic. I was trying to get a few minutes with him just to kind of, you know, talk about opening up the, the stadium and ribbon cutting, but there was just really no way with all the fans that were embracing him and around him and talking to him, and like I said, taking pictures, and I saw fans crying. Because the stadium was opened up, you know, one guy was like, I can't believe this. I'm standing next to the owner of the team. Like, he literally was screaming this, and I'm standing there, and I thought, like, that's real. There's not a whole lot of owners of NFL franchises outside of maybe Jerry Jones and a couple others that are actually going to be amongst the people. Not everyone, you ain't going to always see, you know, uh, Arthur Blank, I think, with the Falcons, he would be a guy that's amongst the people, but you're not going to see... You know, you're not going to see every owner that's a that's a, 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 a owner of every franchise just out there hanging out, you know, and taking pictures and and signing autographs and and you know just allowing everyone to be around their presence. And I mean, he had his security, but I mean, not not really. I mean, know? that but that's that's customary. You got to right. But what are you going to do, you know, with all those fans? And I'm talking when I say all these fans, I'm talking about. Hundreds on top of thousands of fans. I'm not talking just three or four or five or ten. It was just, it was mass. And they followed him all the way from the deck where he cut the ribbon all the way up until they really couldn't go any farther. And then he was going to take the elevator to the suite. And honestly, I tried to do the same thing. I tried to walk him all, I tried to walk with him. Me and little Q tried to walk with him all the way to the suite. We got all the way to the elevator. And then, you know, the guys from the Raiders, Will Kiss and company were like, yeah, all right, well, with this, this is as far as we can go. Uh, and I was like, well, can I get that couple of minutes? Like, it's just not going to happen, Q, you know. And so I was all right, that's cool. I mean, hey, look, you're guaranteed to miss a shot you don't take. Exactly. So you just got to do it. And speaking of that ribbon cutting, like I said, I was there around noon, 1230. I got people asking me where, what time. And yeah. luckily I had an, an email to like sh to like tell people. But right. it's like, even at 1230, people were so excited about the ribbon cutting at three. Right. Well, I'll tell you this. I did a couple of interviews outside of the uh, the stadium. You know, people that were lined up already. Uh, Raider Javi was out there. There was a, a bunch of uh, the Penguin, Raider Penguin. He was out there. I mean, there was a bunch of different fans that were already lined up outside the gates. And I, 
I just started doing some interviews with them, just how they were feeling about being, you know, Raider fans. I saw some young ladies that came in from Wilmington, California. They were fired up. They said, hey, this is mom's weekend away from the kids, and we came here to Legion Stadium. The Raiders mean everything. Matter of fact, we have time in today's show. We'll definitely let you hear from them as well. And Raider Javi and his family, I mean, it was it was it was a fun time, man. It was really a fun time. So Raider Nation, I want to open it up right away. As I said, I have Ed Granny coming up from uh, 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 the, the press box on ESPN Las Vegas. He's going to come up about 2.15, but I want to hear from you immediately. 702-365-9200. I know you have your impressions of, of the game. You have your impressions of Legion Stadium. I all want to know, we talked on Friday about three players that you were going to be looking forward to seeing, you were going to pay attention to. Now that the game is over, Give me three that stood out to you. It might not necessarily be the ones you were looking at or you were thinking you were going to look at when you went into the game. I want to know three players that stood out to you, good or bad. It does not matter. 702-365-9200 and also the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. And I know you got someone lined up already. Who you got over there, Damon? We got Ruben in Vegas. All right, Ruben. Let's hear from you. You're up first. What's on your mind this afternoon? Put on Damon really quick to, uh, I mean, to Damon. Nine five six to the five five nine now in the seven oh two. That a boy, that a boy. That's the way to represent. You got the trifecta in there. I like that. There you go. There you go. Really quick, uh, man. Got to go to the game. Thank you, JT, again. Uh, won those tickets. Um, it was cool. Atmosphere was good. The only thing, man, I'm gonna be honest, man. I didn't, I didn't hear that much uh, in between the game, like uh, some of that Oakland music, you know, some of that too short, some of that G funk, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of wish they did that a little bit, you know, but I know we're starting our own legacy here, but maybe we can incorporate a little bit of that. Man. Absolutely. You know, some, some hey, good, hey we got to blow the whistle sometime, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. But other than that, man, I had a good time. My son, I took my son, got to meet the Violator, got nice. to meet Darth Raider. Nice. That was all cool. As for players that stood out, first of all, I don't know if anyone noticed, I don't know if Coach did this uh, as a homage, but I noticed in the player introduction, uh, the, the, the UNLV kid, White, he was the first one to run out. I thought that was pretty cool yeah. being from Vegas and mm-hmm. UNLV product. Uh, another person that I kind of saw, I, the way Nixon played, man, uh, Keyshawn Nixon, man, he looks pretty good, man. I don't know. I know he's a backup, but he looked to me he's pretty solid. And uh, as my third player, I mean, I was kind of going to, like, scream when, uh, what's his name, uh, Arnett? No, Damon Arnett, yeah, when he missed that tackle, but then, after that, he did pretty good, but yeah, he did. You know, man. hey, Ruben, real quick on that Damon Arnett play, he was in really good coverage. He just, it, it was just a completed ball, and then he just because was in a in like a bad position to make the tackle, but he he sure did try, and it, it looked like on just on that play alone, it looked like his knowledge of what he was supposed to do was a lot higher than what we saw last season. Yeah, yeah, that's all. Like, no, not again. That's like the first <laughs> thing that stood out in my mind. But right. other than that, I'm not. Man, look at. I'm a hardworking man. I'm not a PSL holder. I'm not none of that. My my company man, the, the owner that I work for, has season tickets for the company. I always told him, have my number on standby because I'll be ready to go. But other than that, man, I'll try to go to tailgate. I'll try to go to games. I mean, it was just a good time. Even though it was preseason, yeah. it was an event. It was just, you know, very humble to be able to be there. And all I got to say, man, is let's, let's just shock this world, man. Let's prove these national people wrong, and let's make these playoffs this year because we're the Raiders. There you go. We're great. the Raiders, baby. Great stuff. Great stuff, Ruben. Thanks for starting us off, man, and congratulations on winning those tickets on JT's show. Appreciate you listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. Make sure you tell a friend, uh, you know, tell them to tune in early and tell them to tune in often. Uh, let's hustle back out to the Raider Nation listener line real quick and go to Autumn Win Aaron. You're on Unnecessary Roughness. What's on your mind, my man? Yo, what up, Q? So I was there yesterday. I think I saw you walking along Concourse, but uh, anyway, 
you know, I, it, that was the craziest thing. I've never been to a preseason game. I've been to many games in Oakland. But it felt like a regular season, almost playoff-type atmosphere, at least for me, being a diehard. You know, it was just a juice in the air. I felt like the team was, you know, pretty hyped. And I myself, you know, I got emotional during the player intros when they played the, the, the video, you know, showing the players coming out the desert and then the, the lights lighting up the strip. It was crazy, man. I got, ooh, it, I got chills. Being born and raised here and being a Raider fan my whole life, I could never imagine. And in that moment, I was like, damn, this is real. They are here. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, it's just, it's crazy. Uh, but, you know, the vibe was awesome. You know, the the newbies, you know, you can tell the newbies from the diehards, of course. Right. But, uh, we kept the flow going. We kept the juice going. You know, the Raider chants were going every now and there. But uh, I'm, I'm excited. You know, there's there's so much potential for this team, for this stadium. I, I It's crazy. You know, a change of scenery, what we'll do. And us being there in the stands is going to make a difference, I feel like. You know, right. they're going to get that that uh, energy from us, especially on third down. They better play House Bells. <laughs> right, they right. Yesterday. But anyway, man, I, I'm just so excited. It, it was not a preseason game to me, you know? I got you. I, I got you. Thank you so much for that call, my man. I definitely appreciate you. And, yeah, you're, you're right, man. It did have a good energy, man. 50,000 fans will do that for you on a preseason game. Uh, they'll definitely give you that kind of vibe and that kind of energy. I thought it was great. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the the – there was certain times where I thought the crowd was going to be a little bit louder, but also, like you said, I think a lot of folks are still kind of learning the ways and learning, you know, learning the whole traditions of, of the Raiders. And that'll come, man. That was just a preseason game. So I'm, I'm definitely excited about that. And I know we have a couple more callers waiting along the Raider Nation listener line. Hold on tight because uh, we will definitely uh, get to you in just a few minutes. But first, I want to get to my guy, Ed Graney from the Press Box on ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station. Uh, he was in attendance at the game on Saturday. Uh, I want to catch up with him. I'm talking all things Raiders, but I also want to catch up talking all things UNLV. So, Ed, we definitely appreciate your time this afternoon, my man. I I know you're you're coming back or you're traveling from uh, dropping the dropping the kid off at college, and that that's okay. That's a lot of fun as well. You know, it's kind of cool to to be able to do that. But uh, th- thoughts uh, off top, man. What were your thoughts of just the the stadium and the way that the crowd was was reacting to the ribbon cutting event that we saw on Saturday afternoon? Oh man, I I tell you what, I was telling somebody it was very weird. Uh very weird atmosphere that I couldn't hear John Gruden uh, screaming at officials in his exact wordage like right. last year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that it was. I thought it was awesome. I thought, um, you know, I'd, I'd been there for the concert for Garth Brooks. It was going to be obviously a different kind of crowd, and I, I was not there for the Gold Cup. So now you bring football fans in and their craziness of tailgating and their love of the Raiders. Um, I thought it was awesome, man. I, you and I were there for the ribbon cutting and just looking down at that sea of um, Raider fans uh, when Mark Davis and kind of the politicians uh, cut the ribbon was incredible. So um, I think it'll even go louder and louder. Um, at, you know, exhibitions, you know this. I mean, it, it was loud, but I think when they get in there Monday night against Baltimore to start it, it's going to be it's going to be crazy. Yeah, no, it really will. And, you know, the other thing, speaking of presentations, uh, how about Carlos Santana playing at halftime and, you know, just just all the everything that they kind of went into it, all the all the others, the extras that they went into it. They had the lights that were flashing that were kind of in sync and everything. They even had some on the press box seats for us to have. You know, they just had it going uh, in certain times of the game. I mean, I just thought the whole presentation, uh, they really went out of their way to try to open up that stadium and really uh, – Show the show the fans just a taste of what they're going to receive this year. Yeah, and I think um, I think the Raiders in Vegas in, in particular will do a good job with that. They are in Vegas, 
you can do a lot more of that stuff because I think people expect it in Vegas. They expect a show. So, you know, it's cool. It, you know, the Golden Knights, look at that. that. That's a complete show every night. That's like right. a theater. You're going to like a Broadway show with the Golden Knights for hockey. So, and I know Mark Davis has been at, you know, he's had season tickets tonight. He's seen all that. So my guess is, you know, the communication back to the Raiders is, hey, try some of this stuff because, you know, that's what people expect out of Vegas. I don't know if it happened otherwise in the country, but I think in Vegas you get away with that stuff in terms of really entertaining people and people embracing it. So I thought it was really cool. Um, you know, it showed them that could, they could pull it off. And I would suspect they'll keep doing stuff like that. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I, I'm pretty pretty excited by just what I was able to see. Like I said, the presentation, I thought that that was really cool, and I think the fans really did enjoy that. We're talking right now with Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, the press box, also the Las Vegas Review Journal. Does a great job there. As far as the game goes, uh, Trey Regis, B.J. Emmons, the running backs, they really kind of stood out to me. They did a lot of the heavy lifting. I know Peterman played just about the whole game except for one snap, but really I was, I was kind of fixated on the running back situation and what they were doing throughout the course of the game. What did you see from those guys? guys, and, and how much do you think that Jalen Richard is going to be challenged now uh, for that third running back position? Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I thought they both played really well. And here's the thing. People are saying, uh, you know, we're talking to some people afterwards about, um, and I know Gruden mentioned this as well about, you know, their yards and everything, but if, you're, if they're going to make the team, um, then, you know, they're more, they're going to be more interested in, can you pick up the blitz, not get our quarterback killed? Mm-hmm. You know where you're supposed to be on a certain play. It's great if you gain yards. Regis had, you know, the one touchdown near the end, uh, near the end zone. They, they need to do more of that, obviously, with the team uh, than BJ had one. But it's more, you know, I from Gruden's comments, I picked up more. It's like, hey, did you see that he picked up the blitz? Right. Which is what they're going to look for in young guys like that. You know, they, they all better know where to run and what hold to hit. It's but more, hey, in passing situations, you better know what you're doing so, you know, our $20 million quarterback doesn't get whacked. Right. Um, yeah, if I'm Jalen Richard, I mean, Look, you don't want a guy coming back if he's not healthy or if he's not ready to go because then, you know, it would be a major setback again. But if it's a situation where he's, you know, he's about ready, if I'm watching that game, I know it's just the first exhibition, but it might push me along a little. Um, you know, you, you know, obviously Josh and Kenyon are going to be one, too, but you need depth at that spot. And maybe it's Jalen Richard and one of those other guys, you know, are going to get an opportunity they didn't think otherwise. So I thought those guys were really good. Um, I thought Nate Hobbs was another guy on that side of the, mm-hmm. the other side of the ball where, you know, he plays a position where the starters, I think, are entrenched. But after that, man, I think it's open. Like, you know, they have not been great at that spot. So if I'm him and I'm looking around and saying, well, I know who the starters are, um, but, you know, in this side of the ball, anyone who makes plays or plays well is going to get a long look. So I thought that was really cool for him, too. I, if I'm him, I'm saying, hey, what kind of a difference can I make on this team? So there were guys like that, I thought, really stepped up in the first game, and like Gruden said, next week's another opportunity. You have to keep it going. You can't just do it for one week, but I thought three or four of those guys really made an impact. Right, absolutely. And Ed, before I get to some UNLV conversations, I wanted to ask you about a couple wide receivers. Zay Jones, we've been hearing uh, the hype on him for a a little while now, and and the expectations are that he's going to continue to grow and grow, and Gruden seems to like him a lot, and uh, he seems to be one of the hardest working dudes on the team, and just kind of a real humble cat. And then, of course, the the story of Keelan Doss, we all remember going back to Hard Knocks, the the young man from Alameda, uh, both those guys had some pretty good burn and some pretty good run in the very first preseason game. What do you think from those guys? Oh, well, anything. I'm I'm completely with you on Keelan. I think people kind of root for him and, and want it to happen. I mean, you know, it's a we'll have to see. You know, they got some good. Yeah, Zay, Zay Jones. I mean, we heard the quote, "Don't sleep on Zay Jones," and uh, you know, he keeps playing like that. Um, he can make an impact. Like we said, you know, we look down and you know, or no shoulder pads for Rugs or Edwards or you know, um, Hunter and those guys, obviously. So. 
But I think Zay Jones, uh, they like a lot. And like I said, um, you know, I think you're trying to get as many guys who can make plays there. Um, you know, in terms of Darren Waller, you know what you have, and he's always going to probably be the first option. But, again, I think the wide receiver is one of these positions where you know who the starters are, and then there's going to be opportunities for, like, these other guys you're talking about to make an impact. And I thought both of them did enough to where you're like, all right, we need to see more of those guys. Talking right now with Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, the press box, also the Las Vegas Review Journal. Want to get in a couple questions about UNLV. Want to continue to check in on them uh, each and every week. And last time we talked, we were talking about uh, Desiree Reed, Francois leaving the AD. She's in Missouri now. Eric Harper's been named the interim guy. He's been around for the, the program for quite a while. How does him and that familiarity with the program, really probably the only way they, the only direction they really had to go uh, or could go, how, how much does that kind of calm the storm that he at least knows the program, he knows you know everything that's going on there and could kind of like like I said kind of be a calm now since uh, since she left yeah I think he's I think he's a perfect choice for right now I mean like you said he's been in a college administration I think for 30 years uh, he was at Kansas State where he played football he was at Arizona two power five schools he's been here for 12 I think 12 years his wife works in the department so you know he knows the place um, he's very good at fundraising which is the you know the telltale sign of many athletic directors you've got to be able to raise money uh, so I think he's a great choice for an interim. And now you open it up and you go out nationally and you see who's interested. And maybe in four months, Eric Harper is the guy. I don't know. I mean, you got to see who you can get in the door for an interview. You have to see who might be interested in the job. But I think for right now, when you need an interim, when football season is about to start, they couldn't have picked a better guy. Like you, you just said it. He knows the department. People know him. They're not going to walk into work saying, who is this person? What are they going to do to us? I mean, he knows everything. I think, like you said, he'll just calm everything down and let the uh, you know let it play out. And I'm sure he wants the job full time. But I think if you're uh, Keith Woodford, the president, you've got to do a search because you just never know who might answer the phone. All right, Ed. As an inpatient UNLV fan, how long do we think <laughs> that a search like this may take? If as maybe Eric Harper does get the job, but if he does not, how long will a search like this take to find a new athletic director? I am hoping we do these weekly spots because I think I need to be the therapist. You do. You are you very do. nervous about you. Uh, no, I know Keith Whitfield wants it done uh, by January. You know, you've got to get through football season. really hard during football season because ADs, if they're sitting ADs elsewhere, they're going to have their own football seasons to worry about. So it's a difficult time to try to do a lot of interviews. I'm sure he'll do interviews, but I'm thinking, Demond, he said four months. You know, so I, I do know, I, I know people who have met with the president and they, he wants it done quickly now. Quickly in a president's world doesn't mean tomorrow. It means usually four to six months where you can get everything in line. But uh, I think he'll make the right point. Look, if it's if it's Eric Harper, then I just, you know, UNLV fans should hope Eric Harper has power five ties. And like I said, he was at Kansas State and Arizona. He's been around for 30 years in athletics. So maybe he does. I don't know him well enough to say that. But it's got to be someone. I think you and I, uh, we talked about this last week. This is the most important hire in the history of that athletic department because the power five is changing college football college athletics changing you've got to try to best to get into a power five so whether it's eric harper or someone else they just need to know people where it matters and maybe that's him and if not i would imagine the president's going to do his best job to get somebody like that and just got a couple more questions for you of course when you're putting together a football team one of the well the most important guy is the quarterback we all know that uh, of course tate martell he's got the name that people talk about but then you got uh, broomfield as well and uh, he's he apparently had a, a walking boot on just the other day and i know tate had a, a injury on his, his finger i think that or his thumb that looks like it may be healed now uh, what's that quarterback situation looking like for unlv right now it's interesting because Marcus Arroyo has said often 
how important spring ball was because they didn't have one the year before, right, with the pandemic. Well, if it's that important, I would suspect that Tate would not start to open the year. He wasn't here in spring, and like you said, he had hand surgery, and he's just now starting to practice. Um, Doug Brumfield, I thought, was the leader in the clubhouse. If he has a boot, we don't really know what that means. Justin Rogers, the TCU kid, might, might now be leader in the clubhouse to start against Eastern Washington. But ultimately, Tate Martell will play. How much or when, I don't know, but he's a talented kid. We know about all his stops at other places, uh, but he's got a lot of talent. So I don't think Tate Martell is going to be out very long in terms of sitting on the bench. I assume that's how the season goes. They're going to play Eastern Washington. I think after that, it's Iowa State. They'll be almost a four-touchdown dog there. They play Arizona State. They'll be a big dog there. Um, so he'll get in, but I think too much Brumfield or Rogers because they were here during spring. And if we believe or take Arroyo at his word, spring meant everything. So my guess is that one of those two will start the opener, and then he'll go with Tate uh, kind of when, when it dictates that they need someone else. And, Ed, before we let you go, uh, I know it's just camp right now. They're preparing for the regular season. Uh, what, what's kind of the vibe uh, around the team? Are they, are they feeling like that they're training and getting, you know, getting caught up in the, in the positive direction? Well, you know, I think for UNLV, um, I think I, if I'm him, and you know, I would use this look there, and I don't think he says this specifically because you don't want, you know, you don't want to get in the kids' heads about gambling. But look, we know around town their numbers one and a half, right? And you know, they don't have people on all lead teams, and they're not thought of. And if I'm him, I'm using that every day. I mean, you have to, you know, just like the team picked first, I'm sure is using as like, hey, you haven't done anything yet. We haven't won anything. Well, if you're UNLV, you're like, look, you're the only ones who believe in you. You know, it's cliche, but you have to find something to motivate kids. Mm-hmm. And kids read newspapers, and kids listen, listen to the radio, and kids watch TV. They know what people think of them as a team. So my guess is he's doing a really good job getting them to believe that everyone else is wrong. Now, they have to go out and show that, but I think they're excited. I think he's a very fiery, exciting guy. He doesn't come off to me as someone who's kind of like the wallflower. He gets very, you see these tapes of him at Allegiant Stadium where they gave the kicker the scholarship and yeah. Royals as excited as anyone. So that's who he has to be. He has to be really a jacked up guy to get those kids believing. And, you know, look, you beat Eastern Washington, you get feeling good about yourself. Maybe, you know, you have a much better season than people think. And before I let you go in, I know I said that last time, but uh, Javen White, uh, the UNLV product, he got out yeah. there on the field on Saturday night. He made a few plays. It looked like he kind of got banged up a little bit, but I, I saw his, his body language and what he had to say when he uh, went to the sideline. He said, I'm fine, I'm good. So uh, what were your thoughts on what you saw from Javen White? That kid rolls out of bed wanting to hit somebody, which <laughs> at that position in the NFL is probably a good thing. He just he plays with a reckless abandon. You know, he did that, and John said that after the game. If you were here, when I, and I covered him at UNLV, you never knew where he was going to line up because he played everywhere. So he was almost like Brian Erlacher in that you didn't know. Like when Brian Erlacher was in New Mexico, he played you know all over the defensive field, and then he was a wide receiver. I saw Brian Erlacher catch a touchdown against UNLV. So, yeah, I mean, he's a kid who you know uh, just want, loves to hit people, reckless abandon, and I think he's going to make I think he's going to make a niche in the league, man. I think he can stay around a lot. They love guys who are physical. And that guy sacrifices his body. So I love to watch him play. You know, sometimes, you know, there's a proverbial line there that you don't want to cross, but you really can't tell them that. you got to just let them play how they play. And mm-hmm. you might have to eat a penalty here or there with a kid like that because he's going to go all out. But 
I think that's better than the alternative. I'd rather take that kid and, you know, someone who's not wanting to hit somebody. Yeah, I always say I'd rather have a guy have to tell, hey, man, you got to calm down a little bit than a yeah. guy i got to try to motivate to do it. So, yeah. Exactly. I'm with exactly. you 100%. Ed Graney right there from uh, ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station, the Press Box, in the morning, 7 to 10 a.m. with Tyler Bischoff, also Las Vegas Review Journal. Uh, what you got coming out in the journal that folks should be on the lookout for? Uh, well, we're going to, um, we're going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to follow up with Ron Kentowski tomorrow. He's done a great job. Actually, we've had a three day series on Bishop Gorman high and what made Bishop Gorman high the power they are. So Ron's wrapping up tomorrow and I'm going to, I'm going to join him with a column tomorrow on kind of the history of Bishop Gorman and why, you know, why people like Bishop Gorman in town and why they don't like Bishop Gorman, but it's <laughs> always fascinating to talk about that program. And then uh, back with the Raiders later in the week. There you go. Good stuff right there, Ed. We definitely appreciate you, my man. Uh, be safe and uh, I'll see you soon. Talk to you soon, fellas. Thanks very much. Absolutely. There he goes. Ed Graney. You can find him on Twitter, at Ed Graney. And, of course, uh, the Morning Press Box on ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station with Tyler Bischoff, 7 to 10 a.m. 2.28 is the time. We're going to keep this party rolling. When we come back, Tim Buckley, beat reporter for the Daily Advisor, advertiser, excuse me, talking all things Trey Regis. That's coming up next here on Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. How about that? Regis didn't know how to get in a three-point stance when he got here. And um, no one's come further in a shorter period of time than him. He, he made some really good runs. He caught the ball. He picked up a blitz. Uh, Jalen Richard goes down. Another man gets an opportunity. And Tim Burbanick, our running back coach, been with me a long time. He's done a hell of a job. And this Emmons kid, he went to Alabama. Jacobs is like his agent because Josh knew him in Tuscaloosa. And he says, you better get a good look at this guy. And, uh, boy, did we get a look at him tonight. He's interesting. He's big. He's fast. He's elusive. And he's, he's got no, no mileage on him. He's an unknown. He's, 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 he's off to a good start also. And next week is another week. So there you go right there. Raiders head football coach John Gruden uh, talking about Trey Regis and the performance that he had on Saturday night against the Seahawks and also B.J. Emmons. And uh, the Raiders just sent out their official release. They cut their roster down from 90 to 85. Two guys that were not on the cut list, Trey Regis or B.J. Emmons, and for good reason. And right now on the phone lines to help us break down and talk about Trey Regis is Tim Buckley, beat reporter for the Daily Advertiser, uh, covers the Raging Cajuns like a, a glove. And, Tim, we definitely appreciate your time this afternoon. And you heard John Gruden talking about Regis, talking about he couldn't even get into a three-point stance when he got here. He's come a long way. How surprised were you or shocked were you, if at all, that Trey went un, undrafted in this past draft? A little, a little surprised. They had two running backs, Trey Regis and Elijah Mitchell, and uh, both of those guys were certainly pretty prime candidates to get drafted. Not necessarily in the in the upper half of the draft, right. but, but certainly to go at some point. And uh, Mitchell did. He went in the sixth round to to the Forty Niners. Uh, Regis slipped through, and uh, and that's the Raiders' game for sure. Funny that the 49ers got one guy, one Raging Cajun, and the, and the Raiders got another one. Just go go figure, right? And that's just kind of how everything goes. But Trey Regis put on a heck of a show on Saturday night, Tim, and I, I know you're fully aware of. Uh, this guy finds the end zone. He's really good at finding the end zone. He did it in college. He was the only guy, uh, as well as Travis Etienne, so both those guys were the only ones that were able to find the end zone at least four or eight times uh, rushing during their four seasons there in college. I mean, how impressive of a stat is that right there? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and they got accustomed to it down here in uh, in Louisiana. You know, he was he was their guy on, on Fort Down situations. He was their guy uh, 
you know, in red zone and, and gold zone situations um, when they needed some tough yards. Uh, uh, Trey Regis was was called on often and 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 pretty frequently he uh, he delivered, um, but he shared time in the backfield uh, not just with Elijah Mitchell. Um, but also previously with Raymond Calais, you know, talk about West Coast and all that. Uh, he ended up uh, as a rookie with the, with the Rams uh, <laughs> last season. Got drafted by Tampa Bay, got waived because, you know, the weird COVID right. preseason and all that. The Rams picked him up uh, as a kick returner, and I saw a clip from the weekend of him uh, – returning a punt uh, uh, past the 50, so he's got a good chance to stick again. Nice. Very nice right there. We're talking all things Trey Regis with uh, Tim Buckley. He covers the, the Raging Cajuns like a glove, and uh, Trey Regis had 13 carries, about 65 yards, and a touchdown on Saturday night against the Seahawks. And, and Tim, I like what uh, head coach Billy Napier said about him. He said he's a guy that he's going to hit a lot of doubles. Uh, <laughs> break down what that means. He, he's going to hit a lot of doubles, which is not a bad thing. Well, <laughs> In Napier talk, it's it's referencing the fact that last season the Cajuns had a speedster by the by the name of Chris Smith, who he had a lot of home runs. <laughs> when he touched the ball, that kid took off because he, he's a flyer. He's going to be their primary back this year. Two years ago, it was Calais. Calais hit a lot of home runs. Didn't get a ton of carries, but when he would touch it, he would go. Uh, Mitchell, a lot of triples because he had some breakaway speed. He can churn it out, but he also had some breakaway speed. Regis is more the kind of the, 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 the rough and tumble guy, um, not necessarily that super breakaway speed, but more speed than a lot of people give him credit for. So, you know, you're not going to look for him to bust a lot of 80 yarders or anything like that. The kind of stuff that Calais and, and Chris Smith do around here with, uh, or did around here with some frequency, but, uh, um, Solid doubles hitter. I'll go with that. Well, and the thing about that is and with his body type and his running, the way he runs, he runs so strong that he's going to wear a defense out. And I know that with, with the Raiders, obviously Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake, that's the one-two punch right there. But this is a guy that can come in, like you mentioned, fourth down, third down. And matter of fact, his touchdown he scored was a fourth down run. You know, So he, he could come in and get those bruising uh, you know, third and ones and fourth and ones that the Raiders so desperately need. I mean, that, that's a good thing right there, right, Tim? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, it was pretty early in his career. Uh, uh, he had a game, and one of the uh, one of the guys calling it for one of the the ESPN networks was uh, Matt Stinchcomb, former uh, yeah. uh, NFL lineman, who's actually doing some color work on uh, the Saints' uh, uh, preseason TV games uh, uh, this season. And he gave him the tag uh, with the bus, kind of the the mini bus, made a Jerome Bettis. Uh, comparison and that kind of that kind of stuck with uh with regus for a while um but uh he actually even before that uh friends and family uh, high school teammates they called him uh they called him the bull so uh <laughs> you know whatever the tag is that's that's the kind of style type runner he can he can he can pound it out um he can take a hit look it's a it's a totally different level up there i get it right. um but uh uh, he, he 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 didn't just take them; he delivered them uh, at least on the Sun Belt level. Yeah, and that's what it looked like he was doing, you know. And of course, the Sun Belt and the NFL, like you mentioned, two different levels. But man, he he was he was uh, he was pounding it, you know. With the 13 carries that he had, you could see that he can he can deliver the the goods and and really run hard downhill, you know, behind his pad. Something that that you always like to see. And it's funny you mentioned Matt Stinchcomb; he actually played with the Raiders uh, from '99 to 2003. So it all comes full circle. <laughs> it's all it's all a it's all a big Raider. There you go. 
Yeah, it's all a big Raider conversation. Now, uh, Tim, we talked about some things that, that Trey does really well. What do you think he needs to improve on the most to be able to try to carve out a, you know, even a third down running back role in the NFL? Well, he, did, he didn't, did not do a whole lot of pass catching uh, out of the backfield uh, here because he just, it simply wasn't necessary for the role that he was playing. Uh, Mitchell did a lot of that. Chris Smith did a lot of that. Uh, uh, Calais did a lot of that. It just wasn't necessary. So if he can prove that he can do that, you know, they talk so many times about, you know, guys need to make it on special teams and things like that. Heck, they're talking about Elijah Mitchell, who really never did anything but fair catch punts here, you know, playing as a gunner for, for, uh, uh, the 49ers, maybe that's the way that he sticks. Um, I don't know that, that Trey Regis necessarily needs to do that there, but if he can pick up the pass protection, if he can catch balls out of the backfield, um, he should be able to win a job. Now, whether it's on the active roster right away, whether it ends up being on the practice squad and they develop him, uh, whatever the case may be, I, I think he's got he's got a future in the NFL. And, and Tim, before I let you go, uh, he seems to be one of these guys, and the Raiders have a bunch of them, the younger guys that kind of have that chip-on-the-shoulder type mentality because somehow, some way, they've been overlooked. In Trey's case, they go undrafted, or you know, maybe they didn't get enough offers to go to college. I mean, just he just seems like he kind of has that, uh, that mentality as well. Well, he absolutely does. Um, got something to play for because he's got a little one he's a father um but beyond that and, and you know I'll, I'll i'll up the the not drafted chip um <laughs> when he was in high school he's from the new orleans area uh his original high school was was uh uh saint augustine uh very very well-known successful uh uh new orleans high school um and when he was a youngster there they had a, a kid ahead of him. You may or may not have heard this name, Leonard Fournette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and uh, uh, the, the high school coach there says, well, we got Fournette ahead of you, uh, Trey. Why don't you go play linebacker? Uh, and Trey Regis says, no, I don't, I, I don't think so. And so he worked it out with his mom and, and everything. He ended up transferring to a different New Orleans high school, uh, Archbishop Shaw, and he walked away from that place as Archbishop Shaw's uh, all-time Russian leader, and that was how he ended up with the uh, with the Cajun. So he's he's used to going out there and in improving something when there's doubters, whether it's somebody in the way ahead of him or uh, or whatever the case may be. So. Uh, yeah, I'd say he definitely falls into that category. I like it. I like it a lot. I mean, it just it, it just it, it kind of gives you that extra motivation, that extra reason to go out there and compete and fight. And uh, I'm not betting against Trey Regis, that's for sure. I mean, just from what we saw from him on uh, Saturday night, I think he has a real opportunity to make this team. Uh, Tim, great stuff. That's Tim Buckley, beat reporter for the Daily Advertiser. Uh, what you got coming out that uh, anyone should be on the lookout for? Not only just talking about Trey Regis, but uh, also the Raging Cajuns, who are a fun program to follow and watch. Well, they ended up. Uh... They, were, they ended up ranked in the preseason poll, uh, in the AP poll today, uh, checking in at number three, uh, number 23. <laughs> 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 Hold up there, <laughs> Tim. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Number 23 in the AP poll, number 23 also in the uh, the USA Today coaches poll. Um, and, and they open up at Texas. Yeah. Um, so all sorts of coverage uh, with that coming up. And then it's just a complete aside. Uh, that Lafayette Little League team uh, – in Williamsport, headed to the, the World Series. Nice. That's <laughs> awesome. Nothing to do with Trey Regis or the Cajuns, but 
that's a big deal down this way. Absolutely. That's a big deal anywhere. I like that, man. That's that's good stuff right there. So, uh, yeah, good luck to them as well as they go out there and compete. There's nothing wrong with some youngsters going out there, having a good time, playing the game, and uh, competing at a high level out there. So that's that's good stuff right there, Tim. Hey, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Insight was great. And uh, please believe this will not be the last time we give you a call. We'll be hitting you back soon. All right. Sounds good. Take care. Thanks, Tim. There he goes. Tim Buckley, beat reporter for the Daily Advertiser. Good stuff right there. Nice little nugget. Nice little nugget on the Little League team. I like that, man. There's nothing wrong with a Little League team going out there and competing. That's a lot of fun. But uh, Trey Regis, man, you want to talk about a guy who looks like he's, he's, he's playing the part. I mentioned at the top of the show, give me three guys that stood out to you, good or bad, from Saturday night. Trey Regis was definitely one of them stood out to me in a, in a major way that was good. B.J. Emmons as well. You know, I don't, I don't want to just select uh, running backs, but uh, they they did a heck of a job, man. They had over like over twenty carries, I believe, between the two of them. Uh, they did a heck of a job out there uh, competing on Saturday night against the Seahawks. So we we'll definitely want to hear from you. I know that we got some patient uh, listeners on the Raider Nation listener line at seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred. We'll come back. We'll get to you. Uh, but I want to throw that question out there, man. Give me three players that stood out to you on Saturday night, good or bad. It does not matter. This is Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Hey, what's up, Raider Nation? This is Roy Hart. You listen to Raider Nation Radio 920. Raiders! And welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. 249 is the time. Damon running the wheels of steel. Your boy Q here. Uh, got a lot of patient listeners on the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. I definitely appreciate your patience. We'll get to you in just a quick second. I did want to read one text straight off the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R from Mailman Raider. He said, the original three that I said, uh, who I was going to be looking forward to seeing, were the same three that stood out to me, Leatherwood, Hobbs, and Regis. Rooting for Regis to make the 53-man roster, and that's why we had Tim Buckley on because Regis stood out to me as well. Mailman Raider, we definitely appreciate that text. Now let's hustle out to the Raider Nation listener line. Like I said, we've got plenty of callers, so let's try to get through these as quick as possible. Raider 27, you're up first. What's on your mind this afternoon? Hey, uh, you know, when uh, Mark Davis said, Welcome home, Raider Nation, he wasn't just talking to the people right there. I mean, that stadium means a lot to all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, we finally have a stadium. We finally have, and and you know what? There's no raw sewage in the locker room either. <laughs> right. You know, and I mean, um, that that was a. I was I was emotional during that game. I was like, man, I my wife froze my bank account because she knew I was going to be looking for season tickets. I wanted to go. I heard that. I heard you know, that. So I'm excited about this whole thing. Um, the team played a very clean game, and I've watched a lot of games. I've watched that game about four times. I've watched a bunch of every game that was on TV that I could stay awake long enough to watch. The Raiders played as clean a game and as well as anybody I watched. Um, the three guys that really stood out to me aren't all rookies. Um, of course, Leatherwood, that guy is going to be something else. He moves everybody. And um, Nate Hobbs, mm-hmm. and that kid did not fail in coverage. Yeah, he made a great sack and a big splash play, and it's great. But, I mean, they weren't picking on him. Nobody picked on him the whole game. It's right. Like one of those deals you really didn't see him or hear him. That, that's because he was, his guys were covered. Our whole secondary, can you, do you believe that we actually, actually, actually broke up passes? <laughs> in the secondary. That was great to see. Yeah. No glaring um, mistakes. I remember the, remember the days, Q, when 
all anybody had to do was throw that little quick screen and it was a touchdown. Boy, that doesn't happen anymore. Right. I love to see that whole defense. But um, Nate Hobbs and one other guy, um, Darius Fillon, mm-hmm. that guy impressed the heck out of me. He was pushing that pocket. He he was he really really played well. Yeah, so, he did. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you, Raider 27. And yeah, I understand a lot of fans were emotional, man, checking out that stadium, knowing that they finally had a home. Like you said, a real deal, uh, state-of-the-art stadium that is, uh, you know, top in the in the league. I mean, it really is. You look around the league, there's, you know, three three or four stadiums that are just outstanding right now. I, I look at Minnesota. Uh, I look at Atlanta. I look at LA, of course, and Allegiant Stadium, man. They are all up there, uh, the cream of the crop. Great stadiums. From reports, uh, LA's food's not that good. I think Allegiant Stadium beating, beating them on that. Well, I don't know about the food. I don't <laughs> know about that. I'm just talking about the structure in the building and a nice stadium. Well, I'm, so. I'm going to say that even the overall, I'm going to put Allegiant at number one. Okay, well, there you go. There's DeMond. He is, he is converted. He is sold. I like that. Let's go back out to the Raider Nation listener line and talk to our guy, Fabian. What's on your mind this afternoon, my man. Hey, Q, it was nice to meet you and little Q the other day. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's great meeting you. Get, or meeting you. Yeah, sorry I didn't get to meet you too, Damon. <laughs> so, Q, on to the, your question. Uh, my three guys were Peterman, Vegas, and Scarborough, but I just saw Scott just tweeted that the uh, Scarborough got cut today. Yeah, Scarborough got released. The Raiders announced their uh, their their cuts to get the team down to eighty five. They're actually at eighty four right now. But yeah, Scarborough was definitely one of them. What stood out to you by Scarborough? Just interested. Um, you know, I had you know, obviously, you know, you hear the name, but you know, I'm not an X and O's kind of guy. I'm not. Oh, go look him up, see who he is, what position he was. But uh, I was impressed. I mean, usually preseason games, you know, the snoozers. Sometimes you don't even bother going. You watch them, you tip them, them, you fast forward through the game. But uh, no, they stood out. Plus, he was a big guy. Right. I mean, we, you know, I was, I remember we, we meant it. You know, we needed a, another Zach Crockett uh, kind of guy or, um, oh, well, I forgot his buddy's name. Um, like a Tyrone Wheatley? Yes, yeah, Tyrone. Yeah. Big, big man. Right. And don't get in his way. <laughs> I hear you. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, no, it, I was just surprised. I mean, the quality of the play, I was I was surprised. And, you know, these are, you know, when I when they put out the roster, I'm going, no, these aren't the rosters. These are the guys they're looking at. Right. These are the ones that are going to, you know, they got to make decisions on. And, you know, with the exception of that one tackle that um, Arnett. Uh, Abrams did. I, no, Abrams, when he, when he uh, suplexed that guy. Oh, I yeah, thought yeah. they were going to throw the flag Yeah, on. I got you. Yep, yep, yep. But, uh, no, I mean, the overall play, the D, oh, my God, the defense, three and out. What mm-hmm. a concept. <laughs> yeah, but, that's kind of cool when that happens, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but to me, though, the biggest thing was I got to meet the legendary Tommy Smith. Nice. Good stuff. The first man to run under 20 seconds for 200 meters and gold medalist in 1968. No doubt. Oh, my God. Hey, and then I got to meet your buddy. Speaking of Ed Graney. Got to meet Ed and Cassie uh, before the game and uh, got a little picture with them and uh, got to meet you finally. There it is. But, uh, no, it was, yeah, no, you know, walking in when, you know, JT was doing all the intros at the beginning and Mark comes out, short, sweet, to the point. Right. Welcome home. 
No doubt. Thank you so much for that call, Fabian. I thought you got cut off there for a second. Thank you so much for that call. It was great to meet you and hang out with you and uh, get to talk to you and chop it up for you a little bit or with you a little bit. That was cool. Uh, as far as Bo Scarborough and the big running back, bruising back that the Raiders uh, need, and I do agree that that's a guy that or a, a style guy that they need. I think Trey Regis could be that dude. I really could see Trey Regis being that that guy that pounds the rock in there. That's that's a guy who impressed me. Bo didn't really stand out to me. Uh, at all. I saw him get in the game late, but uh, he didn't stand out to me. Uh, out of the guys that they waved, kicker Dominic Eberle, uh, that makes sense. Long snapper Liam McCullough, that makes sense. Bo Scarborough to me made sense. Uh, Caleb Scott, the wide receiver, and quarterback Case Cookus, who came in for one snap. Uh, he, 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 he didn't was, even get a chance. Well, he did, He was never going to get a chance, and John Gruden even alluded to that one, uh, one of the last days of practice, I think Thursday before the game. He said, hey, you know, or no, he didn't. Derek Carr said it. He mentioned that, that they brought him in to to give put a little bit of film out there, a little practice films to try to give him an opportunity to make a team. He was never going to make this team. He never had a chance to make that team. He just they were doing a favor. And sometimes the league does that. They'll they'll bring a guy in for a workout to do a favor, put a little bit of film out there on them in order for the guy to, to get an opportunity to get a job. Uh they also released uh Bosby, the the cornerback, uh and then Ethan Westbrooks, they released him as well. Uh, so now they're down to 84. And uh, let's see. We're uh, let's see. Let me do this on the fly. Da, 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 da. Okay, they're down to 84 right now. The time is 2.57. Raider Mike, I know you're on hold. What we'll do, I know we got cover three to kick off hour number two. We'll go straight to Raider Mike, and then we'll get into cover three. We'll do that next. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920.